This is Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It is Friday, January 6th, 2023. Anniversary that will live in infamy. And this is episode 745. So, yes, yeah, so this is the two-year anniversary, the second anniversary, if you will, of the January 6th insurrection. And in order to uh, recognize, observe that dark day. I've actually invited on these two French-American brothers named Jules and Gideon Noday, Nové, who have together directed a new documentary called January 6th, which will be, which is, I should say, already streaming on the Discovery Plus streaming service. So they're going to be right up. And then on a lighter note, we have on a documentary filmmaker named Lizzie Gottlieb, who has directed a film about her father, editor, the publisher, Robert Gottlieb, and a uh, client, I guess you could call, Robert Caro, who is one of the most famous nonfiction historian writers, authors, historian authors in the country, who wrote, uh, who's involved together, they have published uh, many seminal books, and this documentary explores their relationship as well as their process, and that's coming up in a little while. But first, here, these two guys I met uh, through having seen January 6th and bringing them on. I'm very happy that they uh, were able to, and we were able to get a nice nuanced conversation about not only January 6th, but making the documentary about it, and it's Basically, the film is an assembly of that entire day, multi-dimensional assembly, meaning you they take you through that four-hour period of time out on the street outside as the uh, mob was breaking into the Capitol building, but also on the inside and what the security and the police and also the Congress people were dealing with at the same time. And then throughout dispersed throughout the documentary are interviews with various people that were inside the Capitol at the time, as well as, as a, I guess, primarily just people that witnessed the insurrection that day. So again, the name of the documentary is called January 6th. It is on the Discovery Plus uh, streaming service. It It's currently available for you to stream. It is uh, my pleasure to bring on Jules and Gideon onto the podcast. It was the morning of January 6th. The bell rings. The certification process will begin. But this is a different feeling on this day. I just see lots of angry, angry people. March on Congress directly after Trump's The plan at the very beginning was simple. Line up and don't let the bad guys in. They appear to think that I am part of the problem. They looked at you and they said, pick a side. I'm getting the sense that this is going to be violent. Violent. 
very, very violent. We have like 30 people here fighting thousands of people. I'm hearing some commotion going on outside the Senate floor. You know, it's only a matter of time before somebody is going to be able to get inside the chamber. They're coming from everywhere, and there's no stopping them. It's about that moment when the Capitol alarm goes off. Security pulled me right from the podium. Seeing her removed means we can no longer secure the chamber. The Capitol has been breached. The Capitol has been breached. We're in danger. You have, have to, to leave the chamber. Lock the doors. We need to move now. Go, go, go. A shot fired. This is going to be bad. You want to fight? You got The people were banging on the door. Trying to barrel their way into the main door of the U.S. House of Representatives. They cannot believe this is happening. I call my wife. You know, that phone call. I texted my uncle, my will. We need to be able to fight with something. We need to find weapons. I have my gun out on my desk to defend myself. We went from protecting the Capitol to surviving. I see one of my officers dragged away from me. It was an all-out battle. No matter how bad you were hurt, you had to get back in. I will not die in this hallway. There's officers still laid out on the floor, bleeding. These officers physically sacrificed themselves to make sure that I was safe. I broke down. Nothing was the same, at least not for us. Is this the beginning, or is this the end? Great. How are you guys? Nice to meet you both. Enchanté. Yeah. Hello, bonjour. Bonjour, ça va. I know you're both American. You both have American citizenship, so I can speak to you. I have no problem then. Yeah, uh, 33, 33 years now we're here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm uh, my Danish girlfriend recently got her citizenship after like 25 years. Right. I don't yeah. know if she regrets it, though. I'm, but... no, it's, no, no, it's, it's convenient, especially, you know, having two passports, a European one and an American one. There's not a place in the world you cannot go, so that's quite, uh, yeah. quite convenient. Yeah, no, but if, if you live in a country, you, you, I guess, if you're serious about living here, I guess. It, interestingly enough, not to get too far afield, but the the Denmark used to have the case where they would not, they would relinqu- ask you to relinquish your if you switch, they wouldn't let you have duels, yeah, uh, passports. Yeah, I know the French have it, but that's because of our long friendship with the uh, with the United States. I think. Oh, I see. You, you okay. cannot lose your French citizenship except if you renounce it, but you don't need to for to become an American citizen. <laughs> yeah, but for us, you know, it's um, one thing when we we became American citizen that was one of the primary one. I think is being very French, and so we need to vote if we have, uh, you know, if we have a if we are early have a chance to 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 speak about politics and people you, you who are elected the rule in france is you have to vote if you don't vote you don't have a voice so you know <laughs> i i i really respect that actually quite a bit i wish i mean i'm almost i i, I feel like you know personal freedom is is obviously to greatly important however i i, I almost wish that voting was mandatory <laughs> in this country it's <laughs> just too much of a you know passive kind of uh Already make it on a Sunday where people don't have to work. Well, that's I think true too, right? Like most of uh, the the world. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so I have to ask, you know, you you guys are, I mean, we're going to be talking about uh, January 6th, the Discovery Plus uh, documentary you guys directed and produced, and which is premiering tomorrow as we speak, January 5th, on, the, on Discovery's streaming service. And I know you guys already have a certain amount of, uh, where people are familiar with your work from, from your earlier documentary, 9-11. And at Jules, it's true, right? You were actually just happened to be at the scene where everything was unfolding, right? You, yeah, you, we, had uh, been, we had been filming, uh, my brother and I, for about three months. We were embedded in a, a firehouse downtown Manhattan. And the idea was to, what was supposed to be a, a, a nine-month journey of following a rookie firefighter who just come out of the fire academy. He had been placed into a a firehouse downtown and whenever he was working, we would film. And come September 11 in the morning, um, uh, I was uh, in the middle of a call with them uh, in the middle of the street. It was a call for order of gas when filming. There was a gas leak called in, right? Yeah, it was more actually, it was not even a gas leak, it was more an order of gas. And, um, And as we're milling around and I'm filming the firefighters, we hear that loud strange roar and i remember looking in the sky saying what's happening and seeing that plane go flying very fast and very low and since my camera was on i saw it disappear behind a building so just reflex turn my camera on, and that's where i filmed the first plane crashing into the uh the north tower which kind of um, got aware of uh, the elasticity of time there it's just remarkable yeah. uh did did either of you uh, uh, experience health health problems as a result of the nine eleven. Um, not uh, so far so good. So I'm touching wood right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's unfortunately that's that's one of the the real complications. Touching wood. <laughs> but uh, with, uh, on um, yeah. on September eleven, there's three hundred and forty three firefighters who died, and ever since. I think last September 11, uh, when we were in the firehouse, I think the la- latest number we've got is since uh, 9-11, uh, about 300 firefighters have died after due to uh, all the things we breezed on. So, you know, unfortunately, yeah. 20 years later, 9-11 is still killing people. So, mm-hmm. so far, we're, we're okay, but we're being checked um, every year as, uh, as all survivors. Do you see a through line of sorts uh, between 9-11 and... January sixth, uh, uh, you know, yeah, get young like, maybe. In, uh, maybe someone could in the symbolism, okay. uh, yeah. the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, uh, just a, a plane full of American. Uh, uh, those are symbols of of what the the, the country represents. Uh, from what I understand. Uh, the, the problem was uh, a way of living, a way of believing, the way of of voting, <laughs> uh, a way of of just uh, just uh, uh, just believing in democracy. Simply uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. forward to uh, January 6, uh, 2021, uh, it very much felt that uh, democracy was uh, again uh, assailed, uh, was attacked. Here, another symbol. It was the capital of the United States, a place uh, everybody thought was safe. And once again, it's it's this feeling that nothing is sacred or nothing is safe. And uh, 
-hmm. And when you think that even, the, you know, what, what's next? So the, the pyramid of, uh, of Egypt will crawl down. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like those seven wonders of, of the world, you know, it's just, just they, they, they are being uh, attacked one after the other. It's, it's this strange uh, feeling. I'm, I'm going overboard here. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. <laughs> I mean, it's nice byproduct of the of interviewing. I, I imagine for you guys that you kind of learn more about, you learn about what you're, you know, maybe more about even what you do through talking about it with different people with different perspectives. So, you know, I'm not sure if I'll provoke any new thoughts from you, but I, I... No, but it is a, it is, it's true in a way, a kind of a history lesson whenever we, we do these projects, because we're, we, you know, we're, we're so involved in every aspect, you know, we do only one project at a time. We don't do uh, uh, projects that, um, you know, kind of orders in a way, you know, we just find our own project. We need to be passionate. We need to fall in love with the story, the people or the, uh, you know, something in the events. And, and so we spend, you know, months uh, learning everything we can, you know, the, the, it's very important to do all the research, you know, uh, trust, especially is earned, it's not given. And so it's about meeting people and discovering what happened and, and that's, in a way, that's kind of the frustrating thing is at the end, you know, we have material to make a seven hour documentary, but uh, I think we'll bore everyone with that. But it's, it's, it's been fascinating to be able to, 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 to talk to all these people that witness history or made history. And, um, and it's, uh, we're always in kind of pinching ourselves at the end of the day saying, my God, we've got the best job, you know, we get to, to meet these incredible people who are so inspiring and, uh, get a chance to convey their story to the, uh, to the American people and to the rest of the world. Where were you guys on January 6th? You, the footage from the film is all, of course, uh, well, the footage from January, this January 6th moments of the, your film, which is most of it, of course, were shot by others that were in the melee and the insurrection involved or, or, you know, maybe um, those that were, uh, there at the time and um and and then you have, of course you have these amazing interviews uh that that's the new footage <laughs> but where were you guys that day and did were you like anticipating like something like this could happen um i think well i was in uh in connecticut where i live she was in new york where he lives um personally i i did not expect that i think i was watching in horror like most people in front of the television, uh, my uh, my head in my hands and, and almost crying yeah. because I was yeah. remembering of, of that moment that my brother and I became American citizens, how important mm. it was for us. Um, so over 23 years ago now, but it was such an, an important moment of that symbolism of, you know, that uh, these, the flag and the symbol of the capital was what we had pledged to uh, uh, to when we became citizens. And suddenly to see the symbols, to see these beacon of democracy to the, to this, you know, that, that wonderful and uh, experiment in, uh, in, in governance and to see all the, the, the great things it had brought to suddenly all of this going out the window, being attacked. It felt like uh, we were watching kind of a zombie movie, you know, it just felt like it was the walking dead uh, in a way at first when you were watching that. I think it was quite traumatic. I don't think you had to just be in there 
to 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 have um, you know some some scars from that day. I think every American and every people in the world looking at these beacons of democracy sh- should be concerned when they saw that, and 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 probably was traumatized to a certain degree. What about you, Gideon? Um, did would you? How are you? How are you handling January sixth? In, in no, it, it was the same. It was like uh, the rest of the world uh, in front of, uh, of a computer screen or a TV screen uh, thinking this is not happening. How, how is it possible the United States of America is being attacked by its own citizens and defended by its own dis- uh, citizens? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was completely mind-boggling. So what was your... What was your, uh, when did you guys decide you were going to make this documentary? January 6th, it's called. I think the the first time we got the idea, I think we were watching, it was, I think, about a few, few days or a week or, or 10 days later when the impeachment started. And I remember the moment the impeachment started, they started with a kind of a 20-minute video montage, a kind of compilation yeah. of what had happened right. that day, some of the personal stories. And it's watching it that immediately brought um, to, 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 to the surface a lot of, of things from the previous projects we had done, whether it was 9-11 or the one on the attacks in Paris of 2015. You had these same kind of um, moments of... Um, Hero, heroics and that was really what we always uh, look for you know we've as we discovered on september 11 you know moments where you you see the worst of humanity what has always struck us is that the best of human nature is always on display next to it this incredible you know discrete moment of heroism as we call them whether it is just a hand on the shoulder of someone who's losing their mind because they don't know what's going to happen if they're even going to survive and it's just that soothing voice in that hand that that can you know save your life in a way or it can be the more overt uh, uh acts of heroism like the first responders whether it is the police officers or firefighters putting their lives on the line and so these were kind of the similarities and as what we'd like to do best in the documentaries again as we're not journalists we don't do investigative reporting but what we do is we show human nature at these moments and mm. here when we saw this little presentation we saw that we had the opportunity to show a different side i guess that uh, that that people were concentrated on which was you know either the the political side of it which for us was not what interested us for us was really what happens to human to to, to human beings like this because you know at the end of the day even though they are senators and congressmen and women and staffers and police officers under that title, under that uniform, there is a human being. There's a mother, a father, a son, a daughter. And that was 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 being missed. Many of whom had to make calls that day, very difficult phone calls, not knowing if it would be their last. That's right. Yeah, that kind of just sort of democratized the entire thing, uh, right? Exactly. And that's what we wanted to show, really, that what is it like, because we've treated these subjects before, but they always fascinated uh, the, the 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 propensity of of human beings to be capable of the worst, but also of the best, and and to show, especially in the face of the worst, that there is hope and that human nature is not all bad. And you know, you find the best examples normally, unfortunately, as they say, in the darkest night uh, is where you find the most beautiful light. Um, it was this the film again. This documentary is uh, co-directed by Guerion and uh, Jules Naudet. Did I pronounce it right, Naudet? Uh, 
No, they like two days. High school French comes in handy every so often. Merci, <laughs> merci, Ms. <laughs> Madame Jacobson. My, uh, <laughs> uh, with the, with the, it's also an opportunity, the documentary, because we, as you already mentioned at the beginning, um, rather, we saw a por portions on the news all the time. The January 6th committee, of course, used it very effectively, the footage from that day in various ways. But this was like a cohesive assembly of those, how many, four hours, five, six? I mean, it was, right, we see it from the different perspectives. So it was, a, it's, there's, there's that benefit to the film. And then also just the amazing access you guys got. And I was wondering just uh, how you uh, were able to to do that, um, get such incredible access from Nancy Pelosi to uh, uh, the command, commander of the, is this DC? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, even the the chief of the uh, Metro Police. Uh, that's always um again. That's that's all the incredible you know. That's that's time consuming uh, uh, work, which is just you know before we film anything, it's month of just you know already having moved to DC, meeting people. It's honestly the first four months were meetings all day long. People you wow. probably yeah. met with hundreds of people out of the 79 I think we kept at the end that we interviewed but it's just you know getting to know the story getting to know the people even if the 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 story you won't be able to use it it adds another little uh, uh piece to the to 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 that um, to that building in a way and and you you get to understand more and and then I guess it's that domino effect you know you find some who are willing right. to do it have looked at our work before and said okay I trust them they seem to be uh nice guys and uh, Serious. Is that what it takes? Being nice guys? Okay. I guess so. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're very naive. We always think, you know, we come to people. Normally, we think we have a great idea and I think it would be fantastic. I think we're, our uh, our passion is kind of uh, uh, a good way to kind of uh, uh, entice people to do it. I think we're normal people who just come and yes. leave in our idea. So. But no, I think it's um, I think it's the question of trust that they saw that uh, we were going to do what we were going to do, what we said we would, which means apolitical and considering on, on human beings, and um, and that's it. I think um, I think it, it by taking the time, having a few people saying yes, and then uh, others said, oh well, I want to be in too. So well, no. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> don't leave me out. Oh, but <laughs> you know, you said it's it's true. I watching it, it's not necessarily. On the, it's not a political film. However, everything has become politicized in this country. Uh, and I was just wondering if there was any, like you you have among your interview subjects, uh, Republicans as well as Democrats. And I just wonder uh, what that process was like. Uh, did Was it any more difficult getting Republicans to speak? Uh, in this case, they might be more defensive. Maybe you're both having French accents. I don't know if you're aware that you do, but that may have been a little helpful. I, <laughs> un petit. Uh, I don't know. Our Maurice was... Chevalier accent that we're doing. <laughs> Maurice. Just the, 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 for, my, just for my older audience. The audience in, in, in reference there, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Jadé, do you want to talk about that uh, that part? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go Yes, yeah, so you, you noticed that my brother really enjoys talking, so I think he's pushing me to do it. So, um, no, no, but um, I, I, uh, the Republicans we knew um, were going to be more complicated. I think we send, uh, we contacted all fifty uh, um, uh, Republican senators. We uh, contacted about one hundred and thirty-eight uh, uh, representative uh, Republican representatives. 
And at the end of the day, we got four Republicans to 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 say yes. I understood the others, you know, were were concerned. Uh, the the midterms were coming up, and they didn't know if they if it was going to be used before or used in a way kind of against them or not. I understand their position. You know, their their party has taken a a different view of January six, and so we had expected it. We're just at least happy that we got some of them, and among some of them, you know, you have Troy Nails who was himself uh, uh, voted against the certification. But one of the things we had always said we would do is to highlight heroism in whatever its form. And Troy Nels, to to, to his amazing credit, as soon as he's in, he's a congressman from Texas, used to be a a sheriff. And as soon as that door is being uh, 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 almost breached, he stands up, runs to the door and helps the police officers to barricade the door. And then We'll keep there. We'll, we'll try to negotiate with the, the, the people trying to, to come in and telling them, no, this is un-American what you're doing and all this. So the idea was uh, was to really be able to show, uh, uh, to give credit where credit is due. And he did something incredibly heroic. And that's what we wanted to do. We wish we had more Republicans, but I understand the decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, again, the documentary is called January 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be a streaming already when i post this because i want people to be able to go right from this conversation and watch your documentary uh i think it's um essential viewing you know not not always easy to watch again but i think we need to be reminded just how fragile things are you know like our democracy for one thing (laughs) and that yeah and um and as you said, to see the human side of the story, something that perhaps we really weren't um, able to register before. You know, we we're so focused on uh, rage and, and um, you know, finger pointing and so much more. But, you know, it's time we kind of uh, started to look at things a little bit more from a human perspective again. But Which is why yeah. we did it really. That was really one part. You know, we on purpose went to discovery because we wanted a, a, a platform that okay. was uh, um, kind of neutral, that was not, you know, uh, had a, was seen as having a party affiliation or lean. Non-ideological. Exactly. You know, as, as we joke, you know, honey boo boo and the deadliest catch are not exactly a political line in the sense. So it was perfect because it's a it's a channel which is watched by Republicans and Democrats. And we all we wanted to 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 do and, uh, you know, for us, the success would be measured if we can get people to watch it. Mm-hmm. Be open minded. It's not about the politics is watch what happened on that day, what these incredible police officers uh, uh, did the, the the violence against them, the violence about uh, against the the uh, the elected officials. Re- mm-hmm. Remove the R or the D at the end of their of their names. Put yourself in your in their shoes for a minute and try to understand the 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 the, the fear, the stress, the 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 anguish of what it must have been like. That's all we're asking. Then right. make right. your own mind. But that's it. Yeah, and those very police officers. Um do that every day right they they don't they can't they don't ask if somebody is a republican or a democrat they're protect they're to protect and serve all people uh so and gideon can i assume that uh that uh can i assume that jules does most of the interviews or is that is that my mistake you know i mean during the film the the the, the, all the of course he's a smart one of the family no well 
Non, non, we're, we're, we're a weird creature. We're, we're, kind of a, we're kind of a, a, a body Shared. with two heads. We're incredibly complementary. And so that's, that's why that's really... know, we've been working since I think we did our first film. Uh, Jadion was 12, I was nine. So it's a, it, it really? goes quite a long way. And it works beautifully. I think we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Well, and uh, what was the film? Uh, what was the subject of that film? I'd like to know. Oh my God! I, I all yes. I know is is uh, I was a young man who was uh, mugged in the street downstairs from where where we we grew up. Voilà. Which, where movie. was that? Uh, in Paris, in the seventeenth. Yeah, we were the seventeenth. I've heard horrible things about the seventeenth. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's you know, you'd, you'd be surprised. Uh, at nine, I was being mugged down. The, no. no, so <laughs> no, no, it was. But I think we're 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 uh, no, no. It's we we caught the bug early on, and 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 working together has been yeah. uh, an absolute gift. So well, apparently, apparently so. And uh, where are you? Uh, is this the, are you a guitar player by any chance? <laughs> Not at all. This is only oh. to try to get myself some street cred. No, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm house sitting at a, okay. a friend's house for the holidays. And uh, I'm, I've been in awe of his wall of guitars. And since I cannot play a single instrument, I'm in awe of people who can. So I've, I've appropriated all the guitars, but I cannot play any of them. That's all. Oh well, and, and those are not my books, also. <laughs> yeah, and this is actually, and Gideon, you are actually in our in, in the apartment in Paris where we were born. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. You are in Paris, and you have a great yes. signal. I was I was a little concerned when I learned about that, but oh, that's where you were born. Yes, yes. So are you? Is that, that in the very that? spot? Actually, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually our room. Yeah, that's uh, where we were since uh, we were went home from amazing. the Amazing, that's amazing. Okay, well, I'll let you guys go, uh, but it was a delight. I'm so glad to, um, because I, I kind of, in my own way, my own small way, try to do a little bit of what you guys do in the sense that I try to focus on films that, you know, are are in a way only going to contribute a positiveness or positivity uh, to, the, to the world in my small way and not try to, you know, because... We need it, you know, and um, more than ever, I think, you know. So anyway, so I'm, I'll recommend January 6th on the Discovery Plus streaming platform to 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 uh, le monde. Merci. And, <laughs> to le monde, oui. Merci. And I wish you bon chance. Merci. Ad, merci beaucoup and uh, have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you very much. À bientôt. Film Forum in New York City and soon to expect it to be opening wide is Turn Every Page, The Adventures of Robert Caro and Robert Gottlieb, the documentary uh, directed by Robert Gottlieb, the editor-publisher's daughter, Lizzie Gottlieb. It was a great pleasure to bring Lizzie on the podcast. Uh, the film, as I mentioned, is also, I think it's also uh, expected to be available Uh It's also playing in Los Angeles and um, expected to go much wider over the coming weeks. Uh, Turn Every Page explores the remarkable 50-year relationship between two literary legends, writer Robert Caro and his longtime editor, longtime editor, 
Robert Gottlieb. Now 86, Caro is working to complete the final volume of his masterwork, The Years of Lyndon Johnson. Gottlieb, 91, waits to edit it. The task of finishing their life's work looms before them. With humor and insight, this unique double portrait reveals the work, habits, peculiarities, and professional joys of these two ferocious intellects. Hey, bro. At the culmination of a journey that has consumed both their lives and impacted generations of politicians, activists, writers, and readers, here is my conversation with Lizzie Gottlieb. One of the greatest issues invoked by the life of Lyndon Baines Johnson, the relationship between means and ends. No question is more important than that. I love those books. I love those books. Robert Caro's work goes so beyond empathy. There is healing in it and strength and power. The power broker helped to shape how I think about politics. He reminds us how power changes all of our lives. If we understand power, then maybe we can imagine a better future. Bob Gottlieb is a superb editor. The most important editor of the post-war period. So about how many books have you edited? Between 600 and 700. Bob cared as much about the writing as I did. Two guys are the best in their field. Bob Carroll, the greatest political writer of our time. Bob Gottlieb, the greatest editor of his time. Robert Carroll's in his 80s, and everybody wants the story to be finished. He's running out of time. He's industrious. He would hate to think he was like me. <laughs> he does the work. I do the cleanup. Then we fight. We will get this next book when he's damn well ready to give it to us, and not until then. Well, that's what we got today. For them, words matter, mood matters, rhythm matters, commas matter, semicolons matter, and the fights go on. Okay, it's a whole new me. <laughs> Wait, where's the pup? <laughs> where's oh, the puppy left my chair. Do you want my dog in the? Well, no, it's, it's very okay. cute, but but it is very cute, and uh, it will it would not be the first dog. That's for sure. That has been on this podcast. Many, many dogs. Very bright window. Tell me if it's better if I put the shade. No, no, back. it's fine. I have a lot. I have so much light in here. It's kind of, I, I was getting a lot of glare from this window. See how my hand, almost, does it look like it's like disappearing into the light? It's kind of magical. It's like a magical yeah. fairy realm over there. <gasps> yes. <Ooh>. Crazy. <laughs> uh, how are you, Lizzie? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. I don't, I might, you know, I don't have my library behind me, but <gasps> I do have. There so they are. I, just a few, just a few. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I thought I had one more of the Johnson, not that I've read them yet. I was waiting to retire. This was <laughs> my retirement. And, you know, well, I'm, I'm glad you have the one with the red pages. Cause I have, I feel like they stopped doing the red, that top of the book. Do you see? Oh. Mm. Well, not only that, I will show you one other thing. <gasps> Look at that. Yeah. And I think this is a first edition. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is 74. Yes. Amazing. First edition book copy. Well, I mean, you know, I was at a Barnes and Noble in Manhattan like 20 years ago. And I, you know, I don't even, I, I've always been, of course, a history buff, like many white men my age. Right. <laughs> yep. And so I know. And so and uh, he was speaking there and it was like, you know, he's it was probably had a new one of the, the second to last, maybe the last one before the fourth volume. 
I went to just, I don't even, I don't think, oh, you know, no. And as a matter of fact, I saw him on a C-SPAN, you know, they would play, right? Author readings and stuff like that. Right. And so it was a series on, on, and I watched him and I just got like, like, this is, this guy is one of the greatest speakers I've ever heard, you know? And so when he was at this Barnes and Noble, I went, you know, to buy the copy of the book and I was able to bring the power broker. I guess I had gotten a copy. I don't remember the exact so long ago, but he really was one of the great storytellers and like live speakers I've ever had the good fortune to see, you know? Yeah. So, and then of course I'm familiar with your father and, and, you know, just the uh, accomplishments. And, uh, and so when this documentary came around, I was, uh, I le- leapt at it, you know? So. And then did you like it? I loved it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what It's so good because they're so difficult to, to like, you know, even with your connection to the story, you probably really struggled. Yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard. Uh-huh. I mean, it was exciting and fun and fascinating. Um, but to kind of first just get them to agree to do it. Right. And then once they did, you know, there's a lot of sort of push pull, you know, Bob Caro was like, yes, you may film this actually. No, no, no. I don't think I want you in, you know, he, look, he doesn't owe me any story. Right. But I think at first he didn't really trust. He didn't know who I was or what my intentions were. So there was, he didn't know who you were. Of course, he knew who I was. Yeah. But um, I think it took a while for him to feel that I had, you know, Kathy Horgan in the movie talks about the two of them having the same noble goal and th- to make the best book possible. And I yeah. feel like Caro took a while to feel that he and I had the same noble goal in terms of how I was going to show him. Mm-hmm. Well, it did turn out, just to answer your question, I mean, the film turned out uh, really amazingly and I mean, how do you feel? How do you feel about it? How do you think it turned out? Was this what you sort of had in mind or did you? It was kind of incredible. It sort of is what I had in mind, but I'm not sure I could have articulated to you exact. Like I had a very, very strong, more than an impulse, like a strong conviction that this would work in the face of many, many reasons why it shouldn't work. Right. It's mm. a film about two very old guys spend their days alone in rooms thinking about word choice does not seem like a bonanza right um and it's a film about a relationship in which bob caro said you can't film us in the same room as each other Mm -hmm. you know so that's crazy i wanted to make a buddy film did you that was gonna ask great And yet I couldn't see them together. So like there are a million reasons why this was a terrible idea that would never, never work. But I had a, I don't know what the right word is, like this burning conviction that it was a good idea and that it would work in the end. So the movie actually turned out to be really exactly what I hoped and dreamed it would be, though along the way I couldn't have articulated for you exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Contradictory. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was wondering, is this, was it, what did you go into intending me? Well, you answered my question, which was going to be, the question was going to be, were you interested in more in this relationship, this friendship, this, you know, whatever you call it, or the process that these two guys have, have created over the decades, you know, 
And it's a bit of a both. It's a bit I of mean, both. You know, I think that there's this, I think that people don't really know how books come to be, right? Unless you're a writer or It's like editor. movies. What does a producer do? Well, what does an editor do? What is Exactly. It's totally mysterious and vague to the outside world. Mm-hmm. And it's also, of course, very specific to each relationship. But I thought there's been this creative alchemy between these two guys that's secretive and hidden and mysterious and totally fascinating. And I thought if I can get in there and see that for myself and then bring people into that, I thought that could really mean something. And I also thought these guys are funny and fun and peculiar and eccentric and brilliant. And if I could bring people into that relationship, it feels it would feel to me like an adventure. Do you right. know? It would be a transcendent like experience to, wa- to watch it. That's what I thought. And I thought maybe it's inspiring to all of us who try to make things to see how these guys have made things, you know, obviously separately and together and how hopefully the books are better because of that than they were initially. So those were some of the kind of maybe inarticulate um, things that were circling around in my head as I, as I tried to make this. Well, normally I may ask this at the end because it's logical to ask this question at the end is of course, what, what both, what they thought of the, well, what your dad primarily thought of the, of this, you know, uh, or, or what they both thought of this documentary. Do you mean what they think of it now or what they thought as I was going along? No, no. After the, it's oh, finished. Well, obviously your dad, per, obviously he's very proud and he, he, uh, supports it because he's going to actually appear at the film forum with you on the 30th of December, the opening night. He is. And Bob Caro is going to come to a different screening later in the week. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Of course he is. But we've done a few events together. All oh, three of have? us. Um, we were at, at the 90s. The 92nd Street Y a few nights ago, and we were at the New York Public Library oh, um, great. last week. And they handled each other extremely well. They were gracious and supportive. Um, but in terms of what they think of the film, I think they're both pleased. My father keeps saying he's very happy for me, not for himself. That for him, it's about me. Well, it is about you, the film. And I mean, in a way, it is. It's like this, this, this these two this is like the biggest thing in a way, you know, that represents your father than probably, you know, professionally, you know, that it's like the, the, you know, the flagship event, whatever you want to call it. That's a- I'm so sorry. My dog. No, is- Bring, no pick him up. Please. Okay. Hold on one second. Wilkie, hush, hush. 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 Okay. There he is. There he it's, is. What's his name? It's just Jacob. Just Jacob. Jay. What is it? It's, it's my son, Jacob. Oh, yes. My but son's hey. name is Jake. My son's name is Jacob, too. Hey. So we have that. In, and my dad's name is Bob, which is. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? I, was, I wasn't going to tell you this this really quick anecdote, but my my mom married, you know, Bob. And then I came around years later. But my, my aunt was married to a guy named Ivan, who turned out to be uh, gay. So he found out pretty early, you know, and so they divorced and Bob, uh, Ivan ended up with a longtime lover for the rest of his life named Bob. And then my aunt got remarried to a man named Bob. And so (laughs) 
she so she called when when this happened she called my mother and she said now we all have our bobs and and you, have, you and you you lizzie have your bobs and you know is is your what's your relationship with care with is it caro is that the right way to say caro 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 i just I, want to say there's also bob moses so they're right. all like roberts flying around it's hard to yes except for, right thank um, goodness johnson's first name was linden you know exactly uh, but but um right and robert moses of course the subject of the uh a power broker so is he does he feel like you know do you have an effect i mean obviously you have an affection for him it shows in the documentary but do you or do you feel like i mean this is kind of awkward but is he like a, like like a like an uncle or does he feel like somebody who he was always there, right? And, and... You know, actually, weirdly, no. I, okay. I I say this a little bit in the film. Oh, but you didn't meet him, right? I grew up in this house. Like my father's writers were always there. They were dinner. Not him. That's right. They, I remember that now. Not Bob Caro. So it's a really new relationship for mm. us. I forget that. I kind of wanted to include that in the movie. That feeling that what what actually happened was that he was he was skeptical at first or wary, wary and over the course of the seven years that it took us to make this film i think he started to trust me more and i think we're now i i i think we're friends do you know he's he's so extraordinary and we talked on the phone last night and he's very very happy with the movie oh, and good. very complimentary things and you know it's it's that's been very very meaningful to me yeah um well again the name uh, well, i haven't said it yet turn every page i will show the the trailer ahead of time and or the audio of the podcast but the video uh trailer everybody will understand what the film is about it's called turn every page the adventures ironic title subtitle of robert caro and robert gottlieb uh and again it's opening on december 30th at film forum in new york city and then it'll go wider in january and i'm sure it'll go quite wide i mean it's such a great it's a great subject for a documentary and you got these two guys and there's nothing like like guys have been around for so long because they've just have such a credible perspective and know exactly who they are it's just it's great to see that you know um what was your just on you know i'm kind of curious growing up <laughs> as you in the environment you in which you grew up what was your relationship with books lizzie gottlieb um i'm a reader do you know everybody in my family we're all readers my kids are readers my husband's a reader um we're just sort of i'm not as voracious a reader as my father but we all like my father one of his maxims is never leave the house without a book and it's it's true we're all you know where we go one of the activities we're always doing is reading so that's always been true for us always and what is your uh prefer do you have a preferred type of book do you read mostly nonfiction or i read almost exclusively fiction you do and robert caro but his books yes. read like fiction you know they're page turners they're gripping right. i don't know because i i have i've yet to like i ha- you read the power broker obviously yeah i read them all you did they're incredible. Okay. Once you start, seriously, yeah. the minute you okay. start, you can't stop All because right. they're just, they're gripping and you feel like you're learning why the world you live in is the way it is. And you're learning how you might contribute to making the world different than how it is. You have this feeling that you understand power in a way that you never did before. Well, can you describe then in a sense, I mean, 
where your father's fingerprints are on that book? Well, I mean, I think the job of an editor is really to disappear, right? The job of an, (laughs) if you could see the editor's fingerprints, they would not have been doing a good job because your job as an editor, I believe is, he says it's a service job and your job is to make the book a better version of what it, what it was. So if you see the movie, you can see, you know, he's, he, they both describe sort of what that process is like and learn something about it. I think it's not a process that people know about. Um, but I think it would be inappropriate to say, oh, I did this or I did that, um, on any particular book. Mm-hmm. I understand. That's true. It is true. They, they both do talk about the, the, the role of, of author versus editor. Right. Um, and, um, <clears throat> Uh, but is there anything that kind of that you discovered, like that maybe you didn't anticipate, uh, or like going through this project? In terms of I'm wide open, there. I mean, I'm okay. just like it could be anything. I'm just wondering, like if if sort of as like I, I often ask filmmakers, like especially of documentaries, what perhaps really surprised them coming out of the process, if if there is something, you know, maybe. So, I mean, so much was surprising and so much was inspiring as we went along. I mean, I think that um, to make a film about two guys who are so good at what they do and have been doing it for so long um, was a constant source of, you know, aspiration to be like them, Mm -hmm. to try to, you know, my father has this funny line in the movie where he says that, he says that Caro is industrious. And he says, that is a quality I honor and admire over any other. He says, anyone can be adorable, but not everyone can be industrious with results. And so we kept trying, my producers and I, my editors and I would say, you know, we wanted to be both adorable and industrious as we, as we made this film. And to not make the fastest film we could and not make the most, you know, the obvious film, but to keep pushing and pushing until we sort of really got to the heart of the story we were trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's something you can't make a film about Robert Caro and not make it the best film he possibly can. You know, and I had this incredible, right. profound moment at one point, because I don't think Bob Caro knew we were going to take seven years. I thought he thought I would interview him twice. And six months later, there would be a movie. Um, And at one point, years in, I said, Bob, I'm so sorry that this is taking so long for me to finish this film. And he said, Lizzie, he got very serious and he closed his eyes for a long time. And he looked up at me and he said, it's not about how long it takes to make. It's about how long it will endure. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a great answer right there. The voice of God coming down to me and saying, you know, do the best thing you possibly can and don't listen to anything else around you. Now, I mean, you might have to support yourself, um, figure out the rest of your life. But um, I was given this incredible privilege by the people I collaborated with to work on this film until it was the film we knew it needed to be. And that was incredible. And we had these two sort of men as inspirations to, to, to kind of guide us. Yeah. Uh, Like, you know, getting young folks to be inspired by 
the, these guys. I, I like. I see that this film would, in addition to having its, you know, theatrical, would be uh, natural to be an an educational, or you know, could be an educational. Uh, it could have educational distribution and be playing in school. I mean, because I think it's a great, you know, what could be kind of furthest from <laughs> teenagers or some, you know, like then seeing these two guys roughly 90, you know, or pushing towards 90 years old and yet be able to be inspired or relate to them, you know, that, that would be a gift. I mean, you know, I would love to see young folks see, cause they're not probably going to come to the 92nd street Y or the New York public libraries, you know, necessarily i may have been there but you know as a young guy there have been a handful of self-selected you know young people who've seen it and seem to really really respond to it and i think i would imagine you know when you say education i'm like oh gosh but it's fun but it's funny it's not educational in, in a dry way but i think that um I think they're inspiring also because I think what you see in them is this incredible joy in work. Mm -hmm. And for Mm -hmm. me, that's one of the themes of the film is they love what they do and they do it so well. And they love doing it together, even when they hate each other. And even when they're fighting, they, that's one of the great joys of life. And I think that's inspiring for young people to see. It's inspiring for me to watch them that way. Um, you know, somebody asked my father the other night about like the craft and and being creative. And he was like, no, 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 it's just work. You just do what you need to do. Right. But what I think you see in their faces and in their expressions in this film is total joy. Um, so I hope that joy and industriousness also um, means something. Is it, yeah. And is infectious to those watching the film, which I'm sure it will be. It was for me. Sony Picture Classics is is releasing um, Turn Every Page, The Adventures of Robert Caro and Robert Gottlieb, The Bobs, uh, directed by Lizzie Gottlieb, opening at the film, at film Forum in New York City on the 30th of December, as I mentioned. And then a prob- and wider. It had its world premiere at the Tribeca. That's where I saw it. So I started rewatching last night. I'm like, oh, I started panicking. Like, oh my god, I'm going to forget. And sure enough, even still, I managed to, you know, forget stuff. But it's a. It was really thoroughly watchable. Anybody interested in the, just writing and publishing and anything? Of course, this will be right up their alley. But uh, like you say, I think this is a a great just story about a. A friendship and um yeah i think this would uh, be it's a ho- great holiday film you know <laughs> right and it's opening what better way to spend new year's weekend than to see this that's right it's opening in new york and la um on the 30th in, in la too so do you know what the theater in la i'm sure you it's do royal lemley okay yep um and then it will open in cities across the country over january and february right excellent well congratulations Seven years, it was worth it. It shows you. in your hard work. Thank you so much. All right. Nice meeting you. So nice to meet you. All right. Bye. Have a good holiday. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Sometimes I'm looking for an adjective. I make a whole list. But if he overuses them, it doesn't read well. We've had some real fights about sections that he's wanted to cut out. It was not that I was trying to tear his bleeding heart out of his chest. 
They both want the best book possible. They both do, and they both want it for each other. 50 years, five books, 4,888 pages, and they're not finished yet. A lot of angry things were said. It's not because I didn't think it was valuable material. But I just wasn't going to do that. Okay, we're ready to go. Now that's a good ending, because I'm editing. Because that's what I do. All right, thanks for uh, tuning in to another episode and streaming this podcast. We'll be back next week with episode number 746, I promise. Now that the new year has begun, uh, starting with a fresh new leaf, the 13th season of Film Wax Radio. All right, take care of yourself and the ones you love. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. You're going to need congressional approval and you don't have the votes. Such a blunder. Sometimes it makes me wonder why I even bring the thunder. Why he even brings the thunder.